You are now listening to The Model Health Show with Sean Stevenson. For more, visit themodelhealthshow.com. Welcome to The Model Health Show. This is fitness and nutrition expert Sean Stevenson, and I'm so grateful for you tuning in with me today. Our environment and the culture we exist in deeply influences our health outcomes. On this episode, we're going to be covering how contribution and service to others plays a role in our wellness, how your environment shapes your perception of life and your potential, data detailing the complex problems with our pharmaceutical industry, why our relationships and how we connect around food are key drivers of health and well-being, and so much more. This is all from a wonderful conversation that I had on an amazing show called Ever Forward Radio, hosted by Chase Tuning. This conversation was so special and full of powerful insights, and I'm so grateful that I get to share it with you here today. Now, before diving into it, so many aspects of our health, whether it's the function of our immune system, our mood and mental health, so many aspects of health and human performance are related to the health of our gut. There are literally trillions of bacteria in and on our bodies, but that master hub of our bacterial community is in our gut and it's in deep relationship with our immune system. It's in deep relationship with all these neurotransmitters and hormones that impact our mood. And one of the big problems we're experiencing right now is that something called gut dysbiosis, where more quote opportunistic bacteria are kind of taking control of our vessel whereas many of the beneficial or friendly flora are starting to get pushed out. So this is the hallmark of what gut dysbiosis is. And we can have a spectrum of how much it's impacting us, but there are just a couple of things that are clinically proven to help turn gut dysbiosis around. A recent study published in the peer-reviewed journal Nature Communications uncovered that a unique compound called Thea Brownin, Thea Brownin, found in a traditional tea called pu'er has some remarkable benefits. Now already we've got some weird sounding names. This could be somebody's name, especially like a key and peel skit on football players. This could be Thea Browning, University of Pennsylvania, but Thea Browning. And of course, we've got this tea called pu'er, very interesting sounding tea. But the researchers found that Thea Browning can positively alter our gut microbiota and directly reduce hepatic cholesterol and reduce lipogenesis or the creation of fat. Another study published in the Journal of Agriculture and Food Chemistry found that pu'er may be able to reverse gut dysbiosis by dramatically reducing ratios of potentially harmful bacteria and increasing ratios of beneficial bacteria. It's all about the environment. That's how pu'er is able to do it. it this isn't some magic bullet. It's helping to improve the environment so that healthy, friendly bacteria can really thrive. And the environment is also not conducive to opportunistic or pathogenic bacteria. And this is also something that's been utilized for centuries, time-tested and now backed by peer-reviewed data. For me, it is always a top priority to make sure that the quality and sourcing is on point, especially when it comes to teas. The only pu'er tea that I drink is from a cold extraction technology that ensures that you're getting all these powerful polyphenols that help to improve gut health. Also, this tea is wild harvested, meaning that it's even more concentrated in antioxidants. 
It's triple toxin screened for one of the highest levels of purity. If you don't know by now, many of the teas on store shelves, even organic teas, are contaminated with heavy metals and pesticide residues and things like toxic mold. But the tea that you're getting from Peak Life is in a league of its own. Go to peaklife.com forward slash model. That's P-I-Q-U-E-L-I-F-E dot com forward slash model. And not only are you going to get the very best pu'er in the world, you're going to get 10% off, at least up to 15% off. But my favorite bundle is 10% off. Plus you get a free tea sample that has 12 tea samples in it and free shipping in the U.S. That's my favorite Pu'er bundle personally. Now there's a couple of other bundles that you'll find over at peaklife.com forward slash model that can suit your fancy. So definitely pop over there and check them out. That's P-I-Q-U-E-L-I-F-E.com forward slash model. Now let's get to the Apple Podcast Review of the Week. Another five-star review titled, Thank You, Sean, by Once Liked. I just listened to episode 700. First, congratulations on that milestone. Amazing work you've done. Love the episode. All seven habits you recommended are within reach and not to brag, but I do most of them already. Just need to sometimes hear the vast benefits of them all to stay motivated. Thank you for sharing your knowledge, Sean, and doing it in such an entertaining, heartfelt way. I appreciate you so much. Amazing. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for leaving that review over on Apple Podcasts. And without further ado, let's get into this powerful conversation that was featured on Ever Forward Radio. Now, again, in this conversation, we're going to be covering how our environment and our culture deeply influences our health outcomes and so much more. So check out this amazing conversation that I had with Chase Tuning on his show, Ever Forward Radio. I got to say a couple things, which I feel like I say kind of every time we sit down on the show here, and I just give so much credit to not you, but you following your drive, your passion for making a better life for yourself and your family and sharing that information, man. I, people know my story, but I'll say it again. When I discovered this platform, it was the model health show 2015 and I couldn't get enough. It was just knowledge, knowledge, knowledge. I would take that. I was working in a clinic as well as a clinical health coach, and I would go to my patients. I would have leading information. I would have the latest authors. I would have the latest science or just a reminder of the shit that we all know works. It's so basic that we just kind of forget about. And I would just be so much better at my job. And then, you know, I'll never forget you were at a, like a live podcast event in 2017 back in DC where I was living. And I was already kind of mulling over my head at the time. What if I did this more? What if I did my own thing? What if I started my own coaching business? What if I really tried to make the podcast a thing? And I asked you this question, kind of paraphrasing a little bit here, but because it wasn't that long ago at that time where you had done the same thing. You had a clinic, you had a practice, you were coaching people, you were doing all this stuff in person, and then you transitioned out. And I asked you, how do you know when it's time to move on? How do you know when it's time to take that leap? And I'll never forget this answer, man. You just kind of paused and you looked at me and you said, you already know. And dude, that moment, January 2017 until December 2017, 
I built my exit strategy. I doubled down, I was working 40, 50, 60 hours just on my thing, left that job at the end of the year, and now here we are, six, seven years later, man. It's powerful, man, powerful. And just to see what you've accomplished as well in that time span is special, it really is. It's crazy, it's yeah. crazy. But so I just wanna give you thanks and praise and gratitude for all the things and following your, your purpose and your passion. And just as a reminder, how important it is for us to do the same for our own lives, but yeah. look at the trail of success of breadcrumbs that we can leave for others. Absolutely, that's what it's all about, man, really. Like that's what creates fulfillment, you know, because we could be operating, um, you know, I definitely have that tendency because of my childhood experience and the mm. environment I grew up in to be more self-centered, mm. to be more isolated, to retract. And once I got well, you know, started feeling better physically, mm. I had no idea the impact that it would have on my mind, Oof, right? Yeah. And just being able to perceive life differently. And also, you know, when you're in an environment where it's volatile and risky, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's a adaptation to be like that for survival, but for thriving and for really being able to enjoy life, you're going to have to open mm. yourself up. You're mm. going to have to trust. You're going to have to serve and give. That's what, that's what tribe really is about. You know, oh, yeah. It's being able to contribute and to serve. And there's something about human psychology, whether it's a small level or a big level, it's a need that we have. We, we derive mm. a deep sense of purpose when we're able to give and to be of service to others. And it's like this superpower. It's like a superpower and a secret that shouldn't be a secret. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but the way that things yeah. are framed right now, I just saw a stat that it's getting close to somewhere around 60% of Americans today in an emergency would struggle or not be able to get their hands on $1,000. Hmm. All right. So we're talking about the majority of our society having that sense of deprivation and lack yeah. and scarcity. And so what do you think our tendencies are going to be? Are, is it going to be to open ourselves up? Is it going to be to be expansive? You know, when we're under stress, when we're in a survival state, mm -hmm. we tend to retract. We tend to, we tend to hoard, mm -hmm. right? We tend mm -hmm. to hang on to the little bit that we got. And we tend to play it safe. And, you know, just what you're alluding to, being able to experience real fulfillment and growth, mm -hmm. You're going to do something different. You're going to risk things. Yeah. You're going to take strategic yeah. risk, of course, yeah. intelligent risk, but you're going to stretch yourself. Mm -hmm. And it's difficult to stretch yourself when we're in an environment that is encouraging us or even pushing us to be retracted, if that makes sense. Expansion in the face of uncertainty seems ludicrous for a lot of people just to choose expansion. Yeah. But you know what? I'm here to tell you, when you make that scarier choice of expansion, when you're facing uncertain times, that is, that's it. That's the secret. That's, that's how you grow. That's how you shed what doesn't serve you. That's how you step into what you're capable of. Um, and again, like I said, you know, you, you leave that example behind you. Yeah. I think if you're kind of doing it right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, you know, it's a, it, it, especially under those types of circumstances, mm -hmm. when you're able to do that, it's really a launching pad. It's kind of like oh, exponential yeah. growth. It's not just like a step-by-step -step growth. Like you're really pushing yourself to a different level very, very quickly. And sometimes that's going to involve you learning to live again, in a sense, oh, like oh, learning to live truly with this different mindset. Like it's kind of being like a twice borner, right? So it's learning like, who you are again, or maybe for the first time. Yeah, exactly. Yes. 
and there's an adjustment period for sure. But, you know, when I made this transformation, it, I just saw this stat maybe two days ago as well. Oh, I don't know how this landed on my life. I'm not purposely seeking out bad news, but I just saw the murder capitals, like the oh, cities shit. with the highest murder rates. And St. Louis was at the top again. Mm -hmm. That's where I'm from. And I lost my big brother. He wasn't my blood brother, but I lost my big brother when I was like seven years old. Mm. And, you know, as a family friend, he looked like us, you know, my mom kind of, you know, took him in, we would babysit his son. And, and um, you know, so I've seen this, even from my early days, like people mm. losing their life, um, just being in the environment that yeah. I'm in. And again, making this transformation in these conditions, I was living in Ferguson at the time, and this is not this is not seemingly ideal circumstances to have a revolution of health and empowerment, right? Because I didn't see it in my environment at all. I mm -hmm. didn't know what that was like. You know, I step out my door. It's convenience stores. It's you Corner know fast food restaurants, yeah. right? Check cash yeah, in yeah, places. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's just like I didn't know what organic was. I didn't know what yoga was. I didn't know <laughs> this, like this stuff didn't exist to me. Matter of fact, there wasn't okay. a gym in my area. Really. No, no, no. Not even but just like a no 24 hour none goals, of that. nothing. No. However, if I hop on the highway and maybe hit Florissant, because mm. it was Ferguson, Florissant, we shared a school district, but Florissant was large, like the nicer part of the okay. town, you know, and there was a gold uh, club fitness there. There wasn't a golds there yet. But even that club fitness, it was kind of a hole in the wall, sweaty. The walls were sweat, you know, <laughs> but it, they did have that. But I was attending my university at the time. Mm -hmm. So because I was a student, I had access to the gym and facilities. That's what my, that's what my blessing was under those circumstances. Mm -hmm. And so, but I wasn't using it until again, I decided to take control of my own health. And so being in that environment and making those choices, I'm here to tell you that it doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter your circumstances. You can change, you can create the life that you want to create mm -hmm. and no one said this was gonna be easy, that's the thing. But here's the the beautiful part about all of it is that all of it's hard. Mm -hmm. The struggle and the poor health and the poverty, that's hard. Growth, health, and achieving some level of success, mm -hmm. that's hard as well. You get to pick your heart, you get to pick, you get to choose what difficulty you're, you're going to, mm -hmm. to, 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 to follow. But here's the thing, truly one of them is gonna to lead to a lot more fulfillment. That's the thing. And you know which one of those it is. Oh, we know. And yeah. what we're here to do is to empower those who are in those. I wish I had somebody to speak this truth into me, to speak life mm -hmm. into me, to let me know that this was possible. And so that's what we're here to do. And at the time, podcasts weren't a thing, which mm -hmm. is so cool. So I've been in this field for over 20 years. That's crazy. And so people podcast, think I'm a grandfather in the podcasting because it's <laughs> a little over six now. And they're like, damn, I'm like, no, 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 no. You don't know. Yeah, grand granddaddy, <laughs> granddaddy. I'm sorry, that should edit that out. Edit that out. No, no, so, you got you're the granddaddy. <laughs> so you know, just understanding like there were podcasts weren't a thing, but we did have obviously the internet was mm -hmm. popping, and I got again just by making the choice to study some things to find out about health. There was like some online summits and things mm -hmm. like that, and. You know, there were great teachers online who are my friends. I was actually messaging with him this morning, uh, Dr. Mark Hyman. I came across some oh, of his yeah, work early yeah. on. And there was this physician who was saying, you can reverse type two diabetes. And I'm just mm -hmm. like, that's what? Like, I've got all these family members who have diabetes mm -hmm. and that's just their story. They're diabetic. You can not have this. Mm -hmm. And so, and he 
being being that I was a student and also somebody who was really deep into research. Um, but again, I was looking through a certain lens when I was doing it. Right now, I'm right. using those tools to be able to analyze information, analyze data, and to affirm like, oh, wait a minute, like why hasn't anybody taught me this? Mm -hmm. I have university nutritional science class, university biology class, but we're not learning how this is applicable to the real world. Yeah, why like, is this being gatekeeped? We're talking about, a, you know, damn, I don't know, fro a frog cell or something mm -hmm. like, you know what I mean? Like we're, we're studying cells, but not really. It's not like in an empowering way where we understand like, oh, I yeah. there are these organelles, there's this mitochondria, there are these protein cell signals and like like I can change these things in myself. Yeah, but like us too. Yeah. yeah. And so that was what was the game changer for me was being able to blend this. And it, it reminds me of that quote from, I believe it was Mark Twain who said that we should never let school get in the way of our education. Oh, dude, I love that. Right? Yeah, yeah, truly. And so being able to, yes, I'm fulfilling my university education requirements, but my real education were the things that I was passionate about mm -hmm. and being able to seek out not just teachers, but what's created, what's so special about this time is that you can learn from the very best people in the world in their respective fields. For free sometimes or very limited barriers to entry. All they got to do is push play on yeah, your truly. episode. Yeah. You know, it's so powerful, man. So powerful. And so, you know, being able to learn from Mark was was such a gift. And, you know, he helped contribute to even, you know, my latest book as well. And it's like, how is that even possible? I was in Ferguson, <laughs> Missouri. You know what I mean? Like eating a box of macaroni and cheese yeah, for, yeah. for a meal. And, you know, my kids are sleeping on an air mattress to like, this is my friend and colleague. And we've mm -hmm. done so many things together. And he's just one of you know, hundreds of stories that I have like that. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing that surprised me most about, you know, working in this field the past 20 years is that my relationships are the most incredible, most valuable part of my life. Coming from that person Truly. who was so isolated mm -hmm. to being somebody who is like, my relationships are the most valuable thing in my life. It's, it's really special. And, you know, I'm so glad you brought that up because actually I'm gonna have, of course, we're here to talk about the new Eat Smarter cookbook. But just as kind of a preface for everybody tuning in, listening right now, the first time you were on the show back in 2019, episode 159, again, I'll link all this for everybody, was on just that, how to improve every relationship in your life. And that was so necessary for me to expand on because honestly, you were one of the first people, if not the first, that drove home the necessity of relationships in terms of your health and how truly one serves the other, if not maybe even more relationships. Um, and then again in 2020 in episode 415 when Eat Smarter, the book came out. And in between all that, of course we had Sleep Smarter. That book put me on my path. Sean, I swear man, when I made sleep my number one priority, no bullshit, every other thing in my health, in my life, in my energy, my mood, my creativity, just skyrocketed, skyrocketed, man. And so, so much of what you've done has just put me where I am here today, but just really at the front, really, uh, of a lot of these concepts that really are not that crazy. And again, I know we're going to get into this, but when we look at relationships to food, the relationships we have with people that we're enjoying food with, what is going on there? What is literally spilling over into this experience of cooking, of eating, and the reciprocity of what our bodies are soaking up 
because of the quality of that relationship and even getting better sleep for all, on top of all that, man. So, um, so much to unpack for everybody to kind of go back to, but in preparation for today, I was reviewing my notes, doing all the things like a good podcaster does, but ultimately I decided I was like, no, no, no I got to get my work in where my, my workout in first. So I know that taking care of my body helps my mind. And I'm curious, maybe in your preparation for today or in general, as someone who is so health conscious and researches and creates a lot of health and wellness content, how do you honor your mind through taking care of your body? Oh man, that's incredible. That's incredible. Listen, today, this is so special, man. I, I was training outside of my house with my youngest son today. You know, so we just did. Um, There's the relationship thing again. Everybody. I know, man. Listen, that's what, that's why this <laughs> is so special. It's real, yeah. You know, he's out on summer vacation and, you know, I was just taking the opportunity and also just understand there's levels to this, right? So a lot of times if we're wanting to, to shift something in our lives, we try to use our, our willpower, right? We try mm. to push through, we try to, you know, and that's cool. Like humans, we do have this faculty, we dub willpower but willpower becomes less necessary or almost mm -hmm. unnecessary when the environment mm -hmm. is changed, when the culture is such that you simply do these things because it's just what you do, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. And so at, a, at the heart of it, it's about shifting culture. And that's really what I focused on for the Eat Smarter mm -hmm. Family Cookbook was how do we change the culture, change the environment to then automatically change behavior? So I was really leveraging social science. Mm. And so for me, yeah, I have it baked in. I understand that unfortunately the body and mind have been separated in, in, in conventional science, conventional medicine recently, unfortunately. Mm. But that's taking, a, it's, it's taking a turn now, it's changing. It's mm. coming kind of mm. back to where it originated. To think that they can be separate is, it's ignorant. Wow. It's just yeah, like, yeah, it's, yeah. Not, it's not even a thing. Ignorance, absolutely. But we got into this, you know, we can go back to Rene Descartes, and you know, we can get into this really mechanistic view of science in the human body, mm -hmm. right? Gears and levers and like this thing is. Systems operating independently and collectively. Exactly, exactly. Now, learning from the very best people in the world, right? So the top cell biologists, the top neuroscientists, and you know, all my friends and colleagues like Dr. Daniel Amen, mm -hmm. Dr. Caroline Leaf, Dr. Lisa Moscone, and understanding that first and foremost, the, the mind is controlling everything. Your thoughts create chemistry. Mind, not brain. Right, they're different. Separation, yeah, yeah. Because those two things, unfortunately, have become synonymous mm -hmm. as well. Our brain is really, it's really a channeling instrument. And obviously there is a lot of auto automated things that it can do. Sure. But it's difficult to locate, like where is the thought in a brain? Or yeah. where is this memory located? We, we can talk about a brain region like the hippocampus. Yes, absolutely. However, your thoughts are creating your brain, mm -hmm. all right? And you can literally change your thoughts essentially externally of what's happening in your brain's normal firing, right? So for example, if we're having a habitual negative thought or an automatic negative thought, as my friend Daniel Amen would say, we can scratch that record up. We can choose something other than, and it doesn't necessarily mean we're like leaning to a new brain region where something magically is like stored away to, to do the thing our mind is encompassing a field. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's mm -hmm. a, and this is again, mm -hmm. not getting into something that's very super like metaphysical. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about real hardcore science here. If we even talk about the, just neurons talking to other neurons or not, <laughs> accessing memories in order to engage them once again. That's the mechanistic piece of right. it. But the energy field itself, if we, let me shift gears to make this a little bit more mm -hmm. um, 
accessible or visceral for people. Okay. The human heart. Okay. We all have one. If you're listening to this and shout out to the ghosts that might be listening, <laughs> by the way, but I respect you. If you, <laughs> I respect you. If you have a heart and oh my goodness, this is leading me to another thing I yeah. just talked about, about heart Oh, we're going to call, we're going to talk okay, about okay. heart transplantation in just a moment. Heart transplantation. Oh yeah. Oh, I got something to say about this. So the human oh, heart is effectively teeming with neurotransmitters. Mm. So the human brain, we associate our neurotransmitters with brain activity and our central nervous system, peripheral nervous system, but the human heart is loaded with neurotransmitters. So much so that a lot of scientists dub this entity called the heart brain. And it's also kicking yeah, off a lot yeah, of electricity yeah. and electromagnetic fields. We have like a three foot field, if I'm not mistaken. It's up of, to eight of feet. Eight. Holy it's shit. up to eight feet from our bodies. It's called wow. a tube torus. Yeah, that's like and I so, can feel you without ever feeling you. This is, again, we, because unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, because it mm -hmm. might freak us out, humans, we see a certain <laughs> spectrum of life. We see a certain spectrum of light, right? right? There's biophotons make up everything but we only see a certain spectrum. Some animals see more into like infrared or mm -hmm. ultraviolet or like different differences on this long, huge spectrum. Yeah, go look up reptiles understand. and how they view the world. It's wild, man. Yeah. That's some predator shit. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's understanding that we see a certain reality and there's a lot that we can't see. Mm -hmm. And so now with advancements in science and technology, we're able to see this field expanding from the human heart. Again, it's called a tube torus. It's, okay. it's this tube-like structure that's able the folks at heart math have done really really great research into this mm. and it's so cool like years ago maybe this was like 12 years ago i started like just even sending them donations really right? as a way of like tithing to places that i was getting my education from i like that I like and so that. i like set up an auto pay and i didn't have much money okay mm -hmm. again like i'm i moved to florissant now so I'm not in Ferguson, like in the hood hood now. I'm making like, moves, making moves. You know moves, what I mean? Right? And so now, but I'm like sending out like $20 a month mm. to, to, the, to, to their research and uh, their institute. And so again, anyways, this HeartMath Institute, the Institute of Noetic Sciences wow. as well, is how I found out about HeartMath. So anyways, with this being understood, if we think about a tangible example, if you think about an EKG, mm -hmm. right, you think about heart monitors, mm -hmm. right? When you're in a hospital or you see it on the movies, it'll boop, Hell, you can even do it on boop. the Apple Watch now. Right, yeah, it's yeah, picking up the yeah. electric energy mm -hmm. that your heart is kicking off. Like it is a truly powerful electrical organ, like your brain, mm -hmm. same thing. In your brain, it's existing in a field. There's a field that your brain is emitting, that your heart is emitting. And again, this is expanding, like our body isn't just inside of this yeah. piece, yeah. This, this physical thing. It's expansive. Now, yeah. this brings us to, and I didn't know we were going to talk about this. It's wild. But this study, this was published in a prestigious medical journal. This is the journal Medical Hypotheses, and this was published in 2020. Journal of Medical Hypotheses. Yes. And this was published in February of 2020. The title of the study is Personality Changes Following Heart Transplantation, The Role of Cellular Memory. And so what the researchers are consolidating is the decades-long database of people having these transplantations of different organs mm. and seeing behavior changes, seeing personality, personality alterations, yeah, wow. seeing a diversity of like somebody maybe has a certain mental health condition that goes away or they gain one or they have different taste preferences that show up. They start to have memories that are not their own, right? So all these different phenomena and they detail all these things that just get kind of packed away as like, 
that's kind of weird science. It's kind right, of scary yeah. and weird, strange science. But essentially, the the researchers are uncovering that number one, there's an epigenetic memory, there's a DNA memory, there's an RNA memory, and there's a protein memory. Holy shit! That, that is contained within that organ, and essentially, that protein memory they're like little antennas on our cells that are picking up a frequency, a broadcast. And what it's alluding to is that that broadcast is you. Mm. It's picking up you. So that person's heart in that heart transplant, their protein antennas is picking up that person's frequency, wow, wow. right? So it's like, this is getting into some really interesting, strange places. I know what I'm looking up after this. But this is speaking to how, again, we are not just this. And if we understand these things, there were so much more, the universe itself is so much more expansive, but what can imprison us is being so short-sighted, feeling like this feeling of isolation, mm -hmm. feeling like we are not capable or that we're alone, right? When in reality, you're connected to all of it. Mm -hmm. You are connected to everything in the universe. As a matter of fact, everything that the universe is, is getting expressed through you. Absolutely, man. It's like a Absolutely. unique expression of that. Yeah. And what an opportunity, you know, what an opportunity, what a special time. And so I know it took a detour in understanding like, this story is so much bigger, mm -hmm. but to circle everything back to understanding again, that mind body connection and how I intentionally started the day today with my mm -hmm. son mm -hmm. in training, because unlike some of my colleagues that feel like the mind is the total control, mm -hmm. I feel like it's going both ways. Oh right? yeah, absolutely, yeah. So I feel it, and this goes back to my friend, Tony Robbins, which mm -hmm. is really gangster to be able to say my friend, Tony That's Robbins, and him saying that Emotion is created by motion, mm. right? So being able to change your physical state, moving your body is going to have these upstream effects mm -hmm. on your psychology and your mind, right? And what he's really saying is that it makes it easier to tune into and choose more positive thoughts from your mind mm -hmm. when your body is feeling good, when you're suffering, when you're in pain, when you're in a state of low energy, mm -hmm. it's more difficult to grab on to those more positive affirmative thoughts. It's not impossible, right, right, but it makes yeah. it harder. And so this is a gift that I give myself and I haven't mm -hmm. always been good about doing that and working for so many years and running a clinic, working with a lot of women, mm. I've seen, this is very important, the majority of the time it's more difficult for women mm -hmm. to really take control of their, of their healthcare because of the, oh, I can speak to that yeah, professionally as you well. See yeah, it, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. just the, the, the nature of self-sacrifice mm -hmm. and, and doing for others. And so we might have the revelation and my wife might have the revelation that, you know, I got to put myself first. Oh man, that's the word. The words are one thing, the actions are another, mm -hmm. you know? So what does that actually look like? And I'm on a mission now to help people to reframe and restructure their perception of things simple changes in their day and in their environment to make that automatic. Mm -hmm. Because in reality, we're often coming to our families depleted, right? We're giving so much, we're emptying, emptying our cup. And then at the end of the day, we're, we're, we're left with, we're, we, you know, we're pulling from something that is almost yeah. gone, essentially. Yeah. Scraping the bottom of the barrel. Exactly. And so what we want to do is proactively find ways to fill our cup to start the day, fill up our energy reserve so that we could serve at a higher level, right? So that we could show up so that we're more resilient, so that we're more adaptable. 
because when we're scraping from the bottom bottom of the barrel, um, it's some nasty stuff down there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And this could oftentimes lead to dysfunction, disease, burnout, and all these different things. But here's the thing: as a parent, we're still gonna figure figure it out. We're still gonna find a way. We're still if we have nothing left, we're gonna dig deeper. Mm -hmm. We dig ourselves into a hole to get it done for our child. Now, again, it sounds it sounds altruistic, it sounds heroic, mm. but unfortunately so many of these kids are losing their parents prematurely. I just lost my dad just two Condolence weeks ago. Again, I was yeah. at his funeral. Mm -hmm. He was in an adult living facility, an adult daycare basically for mm. the last 15 years because of drugs and alcohol. 15 years. Damaging wow. his brain. Wow. And to see that, that experience and that transformation that took place in his life and of course, like we all, we, we want our parents, we want our mom, we want our dad, we want, but there's certain things we want from them. You mm -hmm. know, it might be that affirmation. It might be to say that I'm proud of you, whatever the mm -hmm. case might be. But one of the things that we don't want to do oftentimes is to lose them prematurely, right? And so that's yeah. what I'm advocating for because I don't want my kids to be without me right now, especially when they need me mm -hmm. so much. They need a role model. They need somebody to be an example for them, to be a template, to be a resource for whatever they might need. To show right? them how to build their own tools when it comes to taking care of this vessel. What I'm learning is that parenting, there isn't an expiration date on that. You know <laughs> what I mean? And so we can show up better and have more longevity for our children, for our families, when we put a priority on our own health and mm -hmm. wellness. You know, to, to kind of add a little bit on that, I think even, call it maybe the opposite here, but Sometimes, and the through line here is relationships, the relationship we have with our family members and the relationship we have with a significant other, you know, in my case, the relationship with my father was so, so rock solid and so important. When I did lose him prematurely, it was because of that loss and that relationship that I used that. Now, it took me a while to kind of go through that, but it was because of that and straight up fear. And I'm curious to kind of get your feedback on this leveraging fear of getting sick. Now, my father passed away from a terminal illness, nothing that I can't get. I've been tested for it. It's not hereditary or contagious, but the fear of my life ending prematurely and leaving my family and the fear of not being able to move my body and to just wither away drove me in many, many ways to take care of my body in a lot of the ways that I do now. I might be fighting a fool's battle or running a fool's errand, but you know what, damn it, if I, God forbid, ever get to that place, I'll know without a doubt that I've been taking care of myself. But you know you're not. You're stacking conditions, you know? And, I'll take it, yeah. You know, even with that story, it's still going to depend on our perception mm -hmm. because for somebody else in that same position to lose their father, they can attach to that and use that as permission mm. to stay stagnant. Like, I lost my dad, you know, I can't. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for me, and again, I get to see this stuff firsthand and to see my siblings, right, replicating behaviors mm -hmm. that put my father in that condition. Why did I choose other than? Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? It's still going to boil down to choice, but that choice is so much more difficult and distant when you don't feel well. Because I was following right along. When I was living in, you know, in Ferguson, mm -hmm. I was, I was incredibly overweight and I was diagnosed with a degenerative condition 
arthritic condition in my spine and my bones at just 20 years old. All right, so I was just whitt literally whittling away and deteriorating. Mm. And the majority of my family members today are obese. All right, there has been change in my family. Yeah. Of course, like, you know, they're oh my goodness. I mean, I got stories for days. I'm some, sure, I'm sure. Some yeah. incredible stories. However, what's the most difficult aspect of it is the environment, right? Because we get addicted. We get addicted, mm -hmm. even if it's not good for us, if we found comfort in it, if we're used to something, comfort can be a killer. Strangely, Say that again, man. comfort yeah. can be a killer. And even if a behavior is hurting us, like we know it's hurting us, if it's what we're used to, like our brains, that's another thing about the difference between the mind and the brain. The brain is always looking for automation. It's mm -hmm. always laying down more myelin and it's helping those pathways. This, you know, it said is neurons that fire together, wire, wire together. together. And it's making it faster, so it's just automated, automating behavior. This is familiar, this is safe, this is less work, less energy, especially when it comes to the brain. Exactly, exactly, that energy aspect. Ooh, that's such a mm. good one. And now you add on top of that, okay, okay, now you wanna have a positive thought? Now you wanna change? You wanna change? You yeah, wanna yeah, do yeah, something yeah. different than, than, than drinking every day or you know your smoking habit mm. or eating all this processed food? You wanna change? You wanna what? You wanna get healthy? All of this has been laid down in the brain that's automating these things. And so when we step in with a new decision, but that's, that's the thing, let me not even say decision. A decision is cutting the cord. We talked about this before. Right, yeah, you know, yeah, the yeah, Latin yeah. rate, The Latin root mm -hmm. of the word decision, de Decide. meaning from and caidere meaning to cut. Yeah. Cutting away the possibility of anything else but this thing. If you make a real decision, it's done. Mm. Dude, if, great memory, by the way. Actually, as soon as you just said that, I'm having a flashback. Absolutely, yeah. We talked about this, yeah. Little Matrix moment, little, uh, you know, <laughs> inception. <laughs> and so just understanding that, you know, being able to change our thinking, mm -hmm. it's, it's going to require us to change our circumstances, our environment to make that more habitual. Okay, so what does this look like? And this is where it really leans into how we can do this for ourselves and our families. First, I think we need to know what we're up against, actually. Okay. And here in the United States, I'm just going to throw out a few yeah, stats. Who is our enemy right now? Paint the picture. Enemy number one right now. Oh, my. On the home oh, front. That's hard to pick mm. one enemy. But here, um, you know what? You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to mention a couple of capitalism isn't the problem. Let's, let's put that caveat. It's capitalism at the cost of human lives. Ooh. It's, okay. It's leveraging capitalism to take advantage of suffering. That's what we have with our pharmaceutical model today. That's what we have with our processed food model today. All right. That's what we're dealing with. Mm. And so these are a couple of the enemies and it just helps just psychologically to know like we're all collectively coming together to battle something. Mm. But there's so many good people who are working in those industries, you know, like some of my, yeah. <laughs> some, some people that listen to my show, you know, hit me up, they work at Johnson and Johnson or Pfizer or whatever. It's like, Sean, I know you're right, but I just don't like when you talk about this thing. Hey, maybe they're the ones that blew up the Pfizer plant. You hear about that? No, I don't know. I don't know this, about this. One of the five, I'm pretty sure it's Pfizer. I think literally yesterday or a couple of days ago, one of their biggest pharmaceutical plants that creates a lot of mostly, if I'm not mistaken, their narcotic and opioid drugs and like pain relievers and things like that. Mysteriously, random explosion. It has nothing to do with me. And I haven't heard any. That's some that's casualties. Your, thank that's God. That's somebody following you. <laughs> 
<laughs> Yo, all my former military guys out there are great mission. Well done. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. But, but yeah, I mean, it, it's just wild when you think about something like that. Yeah. You know, and, and so just to, just to paraphrase, you know, Pfizer, for example, again, there are great people there and they're trying to make a difference, mm -hmm. but the entity itself, the business itself, they profit from suffering and not, not curing issues, not mm -hmm. curing disease, but managing symptoms is the, bandit, is the bandit, definition bandit, so bandit. that you're a repeat customer. Mm -hmm. And having a product that you just use once is like, e even recently, there's been a thing you think you need once, but you got to keep mm -hmm. on getting the thing. And in reality, it's really factory farming humans, right? So oh, shit. if you, and this, again, there's, there's so much to unpack here. I'm just going to give a couple of things. Pfizer was convicted of the largest criminal fine by the Department of Justice in history. And they were convicted of racketeering charges. So we're talking about, we're talking about things that are reserved for like the mafia and organized crime syndicates. Correct me if I'm wrong. Racketeering implies intention. Yeah, right? exactly. Okay. Right. Exactly. So knowledge. Not yeah. just they that. knew what they were doing. Yeah, They've yeah. broken so many different laws repeatedly, so many felonies, and also so many people have died on their watch mm -hmm. as well. You know, a lot of people dying from their products. And this is not hard to to find, you know, and also being testing drugs illegally on Nigerian children and the lawsuits from that. And the list goes on and on. So many different crimes in different countries as well. And you'll find a company like Johnson & Johnson, for example, that was using SLUS funds and offshore accounts to try to hide their bribing of different controllers of foreign countries. Johnson & Johnson, a family company. Right, That's a family company. You That's know? their tagline. And unfortunately, again, I don't want this to be the case and I don't want to villainize mm -hmm. them, but the entity itself is so unethical, right? They're, mm. they're, they're breaking all of these laws, but ultimately you're not gonna have a person who's at fault. Mm. And so they're just gonna be able to, if I did any of that stuff, for example, uh, let's talk about Merck, all right? Mm. And I could do this with just about any drug company, by the way. And also my reference for this is the person who was involved in the litigation. Okay, all right, all right. All right. Dr. John Abramson, right, so when it comes to Pfizer and that whole DOJ, mm. Department of Justice stuff, like. I know the guy who was in, he's in the courtroom, all right? So this isn't hearsay. And again, these convictions are something that truly happened. And so when I was dealing with my issues with my spine, there were a couple of drugs available. There was Celebrex. Mm -hmm. That was one of the hottest drugs at the time. Mm -hmm. And also at the time, synonymously, there was, there was Vioxx. Mm -hmm. These are both drugs that are targeting inflammation. These are help to re relieve pain. And I was in a lot of pain. I was having the sciatic nerve pain. Every time I stood up, it was terrible. Mm. And fortunately or unfortunately, the physician I was working with prescribed me Celebrex and he might've saved my life because Vioxx ended up killing 40,000 Americans, confirmed. And if anybody oh, can just go to Dr. Google, 40,000 Americans lost their lives directly from using Vioxx. Oh my God. It would have been one of those two drugs basically prescribed. So right. you had those, a 50 shot of being one of that yeah. stack. And also the marketing behind Vioxx was so robust. You know, this mm -hmm. was another one of those blockbuster drugs, potential billion dollar asset. And so, but here's the most un unfortunate part about, it. again, they knew that this risk was going on in the trials, mm -hmm. but they fudged documentation, they hid the risk and they proceeded to market anyways. And also the FDA was supposed to be watching over this stuff Unfortunately, even at that time, it's largely funded by drug companies. About 50% of the FDA's scientific review budget 
is from drug companies. 50%. Yeah, and up to 75%, I'm sorry, 50% of their overall budget okay. is from drug companies. Up to 75% of their scientific review budget is from drug companies, all right? And this was a loophole created with the FDA partnering with drug companies in an effort to get under the guise of getting more drugs approved to save American lives. Mm. So let drug cause. companies pay you, mm -hmm. let the drug companies pay the FDA, give you more resources, give you more assets so you can review more drugs. But with that piece and plus this kind of devolution that was, it, that was really imminent in that collaboration, nine of the 10 last directors of the FDA, the top seat of the FDA. No, no, no. Have either come from a drug company or they left there and Shit. gone to a drug company. I knew it was okay. strong. I didn't know it was nine out of ten. Nine out of ten. Damn. All right. So it's a revolving door. And it's not that's the top place. And of course they're going to be taking their insider knowledge with them to the mm -hmm. drug company. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just it's it's they're human. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, that's just the top office. There's been that revolving door with many different employees with drug companies and the FDA. And these are the type of things that in the in in the United States. I, I hate to use the word should, must be outlawed. They're outright, they're beyond unethical because this should be, this is supposed to be the watchdog mm -hmm. protecting American citizens and American health. Has our best interest at heart, right? The EJS Center for Ethics at Harvard University recently published some data affirming that nearly 200,000 Americans die each year from pharmaceutical drugs. Just across the board. Across the we board. We take a pharmaceutical drug, 200K plus. Yeah. So that's a lot. We're talking about a couple hundred thousand people. That's and the population of my hometown. For them to be able to, this again, I'm not saying this was like Forest Park Community College. This is Harvard, mm. right? And shout out to Forest Park, no disrespect. Okay, this is St. Louis, you know, hometown. You're putting them on the map now, man. There's a lot of hustlers yeah, there, yeah. you know? Um, but they're trying to get educated, you know. But here's the thing. Because of the way that even deaths are recorded, mm. it is difficult for researchers to actually get the real numbers when these events occur. Well, that was all the f***ery with the C word yeah. the last couple of years. Yeah, you know? it's, yeah, it's yeah. very difficult because yeah. it's not necessarily an easy box to check mm -hmm. that a pharmaceutical drug or a drug reaction caused this injury or this death. And that, by the way, that's just... That's, I shouldn't say just, but those are the deaths. We're not talking about right. the couple million injuries that occur from pharmaceutical drugs that, again- New diseases, just, complications, I mean- Do you know how hard it is to re to, to reacquire your, oh my, I mean, it, it can destroy somebody's life. If they're injured from a drug, it's so difficult to sue a drug company. It's, mm. it's, I'm not gonna say it's impossible. They have the- they have the most powerful legal teams no on doubt. planet Earth. No doubt, yeah. Right? And so, and there are all of these stipulations that protect them mm -hmm. and not our citizens. And so we have that entity that we're battling against. And I just shared a couple of things. And mm -hmm. some of this stuff is like, it's it's pretty terrible. The other piece of that, the FDA, Food and Drug Administration. Food is the first part, right? So collectively, they're supposed to be regulating this stuff. Food is making us sick and then we take the drugs and just like everybody's profiting. Mm. And according to, this was published in the Journal of the American Medical Association, JAMA, and this was in 2018. They, they did a meta-analysis. They're just printing the data. Mm -hmm. The number one cause of our epidemics, our primary chronic diseases is poor diet. That's their assessment. Poor diet, leading cause of death, slightly edging out things like 
smoking, for example. Like we know smoke, it's on the package. People still do it, but the education around processed mm. food actually killing people is just simply not there. And so what is it about processed foods that's causing the issue? Well, and now even ultra processed foods. I'm seeing more ultra than just processed. So we yeah. leveled up in not a good way <laughs> yeah. in that category. Humans have been processing foods for a minute. as long as, you know, we have documentation and, and you know, anthropological records. Mm -hmm. I've got a really good friend who has a degree in, in anthropology. He went to the same school as me at, at the University of Missouri, St. Louis. And uh, his name's Prince E. And he's like yeah. really popping out here, but he's a big part of his mission. He's educating about health mm -hmm. as well. And he's looking through that lens of like, what were humans doing hundreds of thousands of years ago? And so we could take something like tomatoes and process it into spaghetti sauce or right. marinara sauce. Salsa. But you could still tell that that was a tomato that was right. crushed and some stuff added, right? The same thing with olive oil, right? Mm -hmm. Cold pressing, by the way, shout out to extra virgin olive oil. This is cold processing the olives, usually a stone pressing and at low temperatures, then they bottle it in dark glass. That's to, key. Because yeah, they're yeah, protecting yeah. that oil because Oxidation it is sensitive light. to light. Yeah. Not just even heat, it's sensitive to light that can, right, oxidation mm -hmm. and also it can essentially make that oil rancid. Mm -hmm. And so that's gonna set off all these pro-inflammatory events in your body, right, these kind of reactive oxygen species when you consume that shit. And that's what we see with products like, quote, vegetable oil, right? right? Yeah, Canola yeah. oil, corn oil. These things are processed at extremely high heats that immediately, th this oil is highly oxidized and rancid mm -hmm. and just torn to pieces, torn to shred this, the structure of it. Not only are they doing that, but also they're adding all these deodorizers mm -hmm. and chemical solvents and, and, and bleaching agents and washing agents to try to create, because if you see canola oil actually, when it's first getting processed, yeah, yeah, it yeah. looks disgusting. It looks yeah. like this mud, this mm -hmm. mucky mud, muddy substance. And by the way, this I'm not saying to go YouTube how canola oil is made. But I, mean, I definitely am later. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's very eye-opening. Um, so anyways, that's ultra-processed mm -hmm. versus processed, right? Many different benefits to be extracted from something like olive oil, for example. Um, researchers at Auburn recently published some data, and they found that extra virgin, oleocanthal-rich, the antioxidant-rich extra virgin olive oil is one of the few things ever discovered that can help to heal the blood-brain barrier for wow. humans, right? So help to reduce inflammation in the brain, neuroinflammation. And researchers at the Albert Einstein College of Medicine published some data recently affirming that neuroinflammation is one of the leading causes of excess body fat gain really? and insulin resistance. Really? Well, the insulin and, resistance but there's another sense. part of that. And insulin resistance and excess body fat leads to more neuroinflammation. So it's just feeding each other. Yes. Quite literally in a, in a negative way. This is the definition of a vicious circle. Yeah, shit. All right, shout out to Dane Cook. Mm -hmm. I think he did a special called Vicious yeah, Circle. Vicious, vicious Cycle. Vicious, vicious circle. something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but this yeah. is the definition of what a vicious circle truly is. Like you can't break that pattern. We're trying so hard to take control of our health mm -hmm. and to you know, a, a big mission. Millions of people right now in America, tens of millions are on diets. They're trying to lose weight, they're trying. But if we don't understand, like, what are the mechanisms controlling my metabolic health, controlling my body fat distribution? Your brain is a primary organ in this mm -hmm. conversation. Mm -hmm. Again, we're, we already understand the mind-brain connection, mm -hmm. so I'm not, 
we want to be aware that those two things are not synonymous, right. but we're integrating both of them in this conversation because your brain houses your hypothalamus. Mm -hmm. Again, automated, largely, your hypothalamus is kind of like an internal thermostat that's determining, in, in combination with your pituitary mm -hmm. and your thyroid, what your metabolic rate is. How many calories are you burning just sitting there? Mm -hmm. And also, this was really fascinating, researchers at Yale, they published some data affirming that your brain, based on its perception and its con connection and communication with your gut, your brain can tell your gut to downregulate or upregulate no. the, the absorption of calories from the food oh, that you're eating. So you can be absorbing more calories from your food based on the communication between your gut and your brain. Wow. Or you can be absorbing less. And same thing with nutrients all across the board. Calories are just mm -hmm, one mm -hmm. aspect that we've put a label on in nutrition, but all of it, you know, whether it's, so it's magnesium, complex. whether yeah, it's yeah. vitamin A, whatever the case might be, our bodies are intelligent at storing things, right? And so now here's where it gets really crazy is that what if that part of the brain is inflamed? Mm. Specifically because the research that I mentioned earlier from the researchers at Albert Einstein College of Medicine in that vicious circle, it wasn't just neuroinflammation overall in the brain, it was hypothalamic inflammation. So right. it's spilling out of the brain now. So that specific part of the brain that's regulating your metabolic yeah. rate, your body temperature, your sleep and wake cycles. Yeah. Like it's like a master that gland. signaling everybody, every it's system. It's a problem. Yeah, yeah. All right, it's, it's hurting. Now, with that said, how would we even know that that's an issue for us? Most of us don't. Mm. Almost none of us know this. We're not being educated about this. And also the brain is very protective. Unless you have the technology to get in there and look at the brain, which is rare. So many people go to see their physician for brain-related conditions and nobody's actually looking at the brain, mm. right? So somebody might be struggling with a mental health condition, right? Right. So something that is attributed to brain function and we're saying you have a chemical imbalance, mm -hmm. for example, Right. Where do you think those chemicals come from? <laughs> you know? Are we analyze, Are we actually doing mm -hmm. a, a blood test? Are we doing a hormone panel? Are we actually, if you have a chemical imbalance and this has to do with your neurotransmitters, mm -hmm. like serotonin, for example, are you finding a way to actually measure this? Because that's very difficult, by the way. No, they're not doing that. They're mm -hmm. doing this based on a conversation, right? And this is part of the problem. And this is what we're changing now because the reality is even the serotonin model of the serotonin theory of depression has been disproven it's been almost 20 years. Mm -hmm. Now, just recently in the last year or two, more scientists are basically analyzing that old data and republishing saying, hey, the serotonin model, all of these SSRIs, these serotonin, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, this was based on really faulty science. And this is the reason why most people don't get well. Some people do find resolution when they mm -hmm. take an SSRI mm -hmm. and my, my, my good friend, Dr. Christopher Palmer, again, out of Harvard. Yeah, he was on the show recently, yeah. Associate professor, psych, psychiatry. He's top level guy. Mm -hmm. He shared with me some data and I went and looked at the study. It blew my mind. Mm -hmm. Brain energy so they tracked crazy. They tracked all of these people who were diagnosed with depression. And this is a longitudinal study. So they tracked them over time and they found that 90% of the people treated with conventional methods for their depression, 90% of these people did not have a resolution of their depression. It only helped 10% of people. 
And that's what's not being mm -hmm. told. Like when they're working with their physician or their psychiatrist, they're not saying that like, this is 90% likely not to work, but we're gonna do this anyways. It, that's informed consent, it's lacking informed consent. And also not to mention all of the side effects, the, re, the related oh, side yeah, effects. Yeah. And what it becomes is a game of like throwing these medication tipped darts at your brain. Mm. Let me see what, you know, and this is the thing, a lot of times something works for a moment, right? That's what they found. About 30% of people had some resolution temporarily. Mm. And here's the thing, if you look at the placebo controlled trials and understanding the role of the placebo, Across the board, and by the, again, this is another little fun fact everybody should know. When we have a placebo-controlled trial, randomized placebo-controlled trial, that's a gold standard mm -hmm. in our system today. Meaning both parties don't know what they're getting, either getting the medication or the placebo. Exactly. People administering or the people receiving and the people receiving. Exactly. And the placebo is inert. Mm -hmm. There's no therapeutic benefit to it. There's nothing. And... What they find overall in clinical trials is that placebos are about 33% effective in clinical trials, all right? A fake drug, fake treatment, fake surgeries, all right? Mm -hmm. Especially, it's around 80% effective in trials for depression and mental health conditions. People want to get better so bad. Your point, like we talked about earlier, they believe they're getting help. That's You can't make that shit up. It's powerful. That's the that's going back to what we initially started with, yeah, the power yeah. of the human mind. We're creating chemistry. Every single thought that we have creates chemistry in our bodies. Mm -hmm. And so just that feeling of being acknowledged, that feeling of uh, a respected authority on, on health mm -hmm. to tell you that this is gonna help you, that has such a weight. And we're placeboing ourselves. That's the thing. And I shared this in my earlier book, In Eat Smarter, one of these studies done by researchers at Stanford, Alia Crum and her team, and they were using a skin prick test mm. where they would create basically this kind of histamine reaction where they would have an allergic rash break out on the subject. Love that for them. And then, <laughs> <right>? <laughs> and then they would give them a treatment, a cream, yeah. but the cream was completely inert. Mm. It had no therapeutic benefit. It's like lotion. The, but there was a physician who would who would inform them that, okay, this is an agonist or an antagonist. This is something that's gonna make your rash worse or make it better. And they gave different people different messages, right? And so within five to 10 minutes, the people who thought they were getting an, an antihistamine cream would that make the rash go away, it started to go away. There was no oh, therapeutic benefit, oh, but their mind, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. The same thing with the agonist cream where this is gonna make your rash worse, their rash got worse. Now, the degree at which it, it changed and how quickly it changed depended upon how much belief mm. the patient had in the physician. Damn. How much they thought that the physician was intelligent and logical. Had their best interest at heart. Yes. Straightforward, honest. So all of these different practicing subconscious medicine. qualities we don't even realize unless they're analyzed afterwards. Mm -hmm. Right, so for them to be able to, to say like, okay, when they were looking at the data, what was the big dis factor here? What was the biggest factor in how much their rash changed? It was based primarily, the biggest factor was how much they, they believed or had faith in the physician. Mm. But even that, here's the thing, even as I say that, it's still your choice. You are the one choosing. And that the power is in you. Oh, hell yeah. The placebo, you yeah. can placebo yourself. Mm -hmm. And 
if we understood this, that our how powerful our, our psychology is, I mean, we could, this is a game changer, right? So everything changes after that. With all this said, you know, just to put a bow on this, the role of the placebo is remarkable, but also there's the nocebo effect, which is, you know, giving somebody a negative injunction, like for example, that thing is gonna get worse. Mm -hmm. How often in our world today are we being told by people that we have in this kind of perception of authority that things are gonna be bad, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? You're gonna die, this thing's gonna happen, right? You're this, you know, we got this thing over here, this financial crisis, we've got this health crisis, we've got all of these different things. Where's the empowerment, right? Because when we're in fear, we're much more, we're, we're gonna be shifting the, the primary places that we're thinking from, right? right, right. And so we're going to be much more apt to be controllable, to be influenced for our own good, for our own safety. Now, here's where we shift this conversation completely because we want to be aware that these things are happening. Right. I didn't want this to be a pity party about Pfizer or about, <laughs> you know, about Monsanto. This is where we understand what we're dealing with. Mm -hmm. And now we choose other than. Mm -hmm. Now we start to invest in things that are health affirmative. We understand that that's existing because what can happen when people, especially people that listen to this show, we can get so caught up in this fight against those entities. Yes, yeah. Instead of, all right, let's create a culture of incredible health in our families and under our own roof, just within that one location. Mm -hmm. Like just become masterful at my own personal health. Despite what's going on out here, despite all of this influence that these entities have, and you know why? Why, why it's so powerful to change that is because every single person who does that is taking away, away from their profits. It's taking away from their bottom line. Absolutely. It's shifting. Absolutely. It's creating, getting closer to this tipping point. And I started this whole thing off by saying I was going to share some statistics, but... We got a few. We got a few. Yeah. I'm going to rattle these off yeah. really quickly, and then we're going to get to solutions. I'll pass uh -huh. it back to you. We'll get to solutions. So the CDC published their data for this past year, and according to the CDC, 60% of American adults now have at least one chronic disease. Right. Over half. 60%. So the majority of Americans have at least one disease. 40% have two or more. All right. That's knocking on the door of half of mm -hmm. our society. Mm -hmm. have two or more chronic diseases. This is incredibly abnormal. Jeez. This has never happened before in human history. And to, to identify what some of these are, somewhere around 250 million Americans now are overweight or obese. And we're knocking at the door. Last published data was almost 40, 43% of Americans were clinically obese. And not just overweight, not just carrying that extra five pounds, but clinically obese. That's, that's what, 40 pounds, 60 pounds? So this is based on BMI. And oh, that can, uh, even with okay. using BMI, we can get into like, well, what if you're an NFL running back? Yeah. I've been we're overweight by BMI. We're not talking about before. that, yeah, yeah. right? Well, you know what we're talking yeah. about. We're talking about a true state of disease. And in addition to that, about a third, 130 million Americans, and I know you're going to be, you're going to talk to Dr. Casey Means, mm -hmm. another really good friend and colleague, have diabetes or prediabetes. 130 million of our citizens. Mm -hmm. It's about a third of our population. It's and crazy. And the spike in type two now is astronomical. It used to yeah. be, I think, in the single digits just 20 years ago, maybe. Now it's like double, triple. It, majority. A, you know what I could do, man. There was a paper published <laughs> in the New England Journal of Medicine. The title of the study is 
the last 200 years in diabetes. And what the researchers uncovered was that just in the last 30 years alone, rates of type two diabetes in the United States have quadrupled. Quadrupled. Quadrupled, right? Not just double, not tripled, quadrupled. And this is type two, everybody. This is not the one that you're born with or just kind of happens out of the gate. This is lifestyle. This is nutrition. This is sedentary. This is all the things that we have dominion over changing. Yeah. It used to be called adult onset diabetes, but because so many children and adolescents mm -hmm. started developing it just in the last you know decade or two, the name was changed. Juvenile, right? Juvenile diabetes, that's type one diabetes. Okay. Excuse me. So even with that type one diabetes has gone up substantially mm -hmm. as well. And this has to do with the beta cells in the pancreas, right? So the beta cells are making insulin and the beta cells are dysfunctional. They're not making, there's so many different ways that this could come about, mm. but we also have sound data now on what can create that kind of malfunction or genetic alteration mm -hmm. and make a condition like that more prevalent. And there are wonderful people out here who are, you know, in this category of quote influencers who are living with type one diabetes, who've largely, like they've been able to reduce the amount of insulin that they're, that they're taking mm -hmm. by really getting on top of their nutrition and their lifestyle practices. One of these guys is like incredibly fit. He's like a uh, one of these great, really great athletes and fitness uh, type influencers, one. type one yeah. diabetic. And again, he's he's living a really great fulfilled life, a healthy life but he has this, what would be seemingly a disadvantage that he's turned in his favor, mm -hmm. right? And mm -hmm. also using that as a platform to educate we, and support We love that people. around here. Yeah, and so a couple of other quick stats, about 60% of American adults have some degree of heart disease that's measurable now. Mm -hmm. So again, this is the leading cause of death in the United killer, States yeah. substantially. And according to the NIH, today, depression is the number one cause of disability in the United States. It's really a worldwide epidemic. Mm -hmm. And if you're curious, like what are other causes of disability and missed work besides depression? Depression, again, depression is the number one. Infectious diseases. And this has been for years. This isn't just recently, but have we been paying attention to the fact that infectious diseases have not gone anywhere? As a matter mm -hmm. of fact, you can see proof that things have gotten substantially worse. And there's really great data that was accumulated on that front where researchers put together this paper. And this was in the in the 90s looking at like we thought we had a breakthrough like better living through chemistry mm -hmm. and science that we can eradicate infectious diseases Hygiene. but the researchers found that it had gone up about 58 percent come on and so there's this narrative that we believe that we're getting healthier right our lifespan is expanding and that was true for mm -hmm. many years prior but another really important thing for people to realize is that we are the first generation in recorded human history that's not going to outlive our predecessors. I've heard you talk about this before and man, I like, I, I can't believe it. Yeah. That trend of lifespan growing mm. has reversed recently. It's a paradox mm. and it's, it's a paradox because with our level of advancement on paper, seemingly advancement technology and access to drugs and access to food, but you know, there's a difference between food mm -hmm. and fake food. You would think that this would continue to expand, but unfortunately, again, it's reversed. And But now again, this is where I pass it back to you and we mm. shift on solutions. Got a quick break coming up, we'll be right back. There's a natural ebb and flow of our body temperature throughout the day. And through our evolution, there's a natural drop in our core body temperature at night to help us to facilitate sleep. Certain hormones are released, 
certain enzymatic processes for repair. Certain things change in our brain when our body temperature is going down in the evening in association with the nocturnal pattern of life itself here on Earth. When things start to get darker, our core body temperature goes down. It's how we evolved. Now, today we can throw a glorified monkey wrench into that natural process. And what the research indicates is that one of the primary things that's underlying insomnia is an inability for our body temperature to be regulated. Specifically in the evening, we're seeing folks with chronic sleep issues having a much higher core body temperature at night. And this was highlighted by a study that was published in the American Journal of Physiology. Now, a new study with this in mind was just conducted and it included 32 participants and they were recruited into a three-week clinical trial to see if supporting thermal regulation with their bedding can help to improve their sleep quality. Now, the researchers took subjective and objective data monitoring their sleep with devices to see the impact of their sleep conditions. And so the researchers utilized some bamboo lyocell sheets that support thermal regulation, that are antimicrobial, that are moisture wicking. And they found that by sleeping on these sheets, the study participants had a 1.5% improvement in their sleep efficiency. What does that mean? What does that equate to? That's equating to an additional 7.2 more minutes of restorative sleep per night. Now, what if we stretch that out? We're talking 43 extra hours of sleep per year. They're still doing the same activity, still in the same bed, but not getting optimal sleep. There's a difference between getting restorative sleep and just being unconscious or just being in the bed. This simple thing, just what we're sleeping on, can improve our sleep quality. By the way, subjectively, so that was the objective data, subjectively, the participants found that their mental alertness during the day following sleeping on these sheets improved by 25%. And overall, 94% of people prefer sleeping on these sheets versus whatever else they were doing before that. Now, these sheets are from Etitude, and these are my favorite. I love these sheets so much. I didn't know that this was even a thing. I didn't know that this existed, that this mattered so much. But once you sleep on these sheets, you truly understand why. They're free from harmful chemicals, irritants, allergens, they're hypoallergenic, and also they're self-deodorizing. They inhibit bacterial growth, they're breathable, moisture wicking, also supports thermal regulation, but something truly special because I love these sheets so much, I actually reached out and connected with these folks and I got a 15% off discount for our audience here. So go to attitude.com forward slash model. That's E-T-T-I-T-U-D-E.com forward slash model. Use the code model15 at checkout get yourself some of these incredible sheets. And these are a great gift as well, by the way. I get these sheets for friends all the time. I love them so much. And also they're giving you a 30 night sleep trial. So you get the opportunity to sleep on them, think on them, dream on them. If you don't love them, just simply send them back for a full refund. Go to attitude.com forward slash model. Again, that's E-T-T-I-T-U-D-E.com forward slash model. Use the code model15 all together at checkout for 15% off. Now back to the show. I mean, I've got a million and one different ways that I want to, I want to go with this and you've got so much value 
coming out in this book, in this work, um, it's hard to pick. It's like pick your battle, pick your poison kind of thing. But when I think about maybe the majority of listeners out there, at least in my audience, people that we're educated or we are choosing to further our education through platforms like this, we're empowering our lives, our choices for our own betterment, but also because we care about the people to the left and right of us. You know, living a life ever forward is not just about us. It's, it's empowering other people along the way. And if we really want that for ourselves, we have to be mindful. I believe we have to be mindful of those people in our lives. Community relationships yeah. is everything, man. So I would love to kind of bring it there, right? So we're there. Maybe we're our family's on board or we're just trying to set the example. We're trying to be the model. So maybe the they can kind of make some choices of their own. We're there, we're cooking, we're laughing, we're making some healthier snack options, a whole smorgasbord, whatever the thing is. Um, I know what we're actually using and cooking on is a part of this book mm -hmm. as well. And I think that's important because not to nitpick, you know, we're making a choice, right? Like Chase, come on, man, I just decided to have better food and better relationship with food and incorporate the relationships I have in life with the food. Now you're telling me like the cookware, the pots, the pans, maybe even the heat, like, can you kind of peel the curtain back there for us? Not to discourage us, but to just, all right, good and. Perfluoroactanoic acid, PFOAs. Mm -hmm. This is one of the chemicals that was recently banned and outlawed that was contained in Teflon. Outlawed. Outlawed. It's, outlawed. it's banned. And outlawed. you could That's still aggressive. find it in the majority of people when they test their blood. In humans. In humans. It's one of these, under this category of what's known as today, these forever chemicals, mm. right? And so what is the issue here? Because, okay, it's a forever chemical. So what does this mean? It makes its way into human bodies. Why was it banned? Well, according to, well, first of all, we've got infertility issues. Mm -hmm. We've got cancer mm -hmm. issues, but this was published in the journal of the National Cancer Institute, and they found that these PFOAs are a strong kidney cancer causative agent, not just like it might, Damn. causes kidney cancer. Like this in humans causes kidney cancer. And what the researchers found was that it depended on the degree of exposure, the longer duration that you were mm. eating and consuming food from Teflon, right, from this, this entity that was normalized Damn. in our population. Yeah your risk of renal cancer continues to, to increase. Mm. And so again, we're just trusting that these things are okay, are mm. good for us. And we want that. Part of our curse has been our convenience. Mm. We'll say that again, man. Part of our curse has been our convenience. And so being able to have nonstick cookware, like that's a vibe. It's so, it's, it just makes life easier. And what are the side effects? What are the potential downsides? And that's where entities like the FDA mm. really shit the bed mm. and they're not showing up and looking out for our citizens because there's no way that that should have been approved in the first place. It's really this, I just mentioned one of the chemical mm. compounds. Mm. There's a whole yeah, yeah. plethora of chemicals that go into this and we're exposing it to high temperatures to make our food on every day. What do you think's gonna happen? Not to mention the fumes. And by the way, speaking of fumes, I don't wanna miss this. I talked a little bit earlier about vegetable oil and, you know, again, this can be one of those things like it's, it doesn't sound that bad. And there is some science saying, hey, you know, vegetable isn't that bad as these scientists might 
say, the leading expert in the world on the subject of vegetable oils and canola oils and healthy oils is Dr. Kate Shanahan. And she was also the nutritionist for the Los Angeles Lakers, helping extend Kobe oh, wow. Bryant's okay. career. Wow. She got my guy on bone broth, like whenever he would travel. Like, I can go on and on. She's smart got- Smart lady, smart lady. Yeah, and yeah. family medicine doctor, mm -hmm. like incredibly intelligent, but she's combed through hundreds, hundreds of studies on this stuff. Mm. And being a scientist and a physician has really packaged up this data to, to understand these pieces. One of the things that I learned was, and this was published in the journal, Inhalation Toxicology, looking at how inhaling certain things can be toxic. So not even digesting, just, just in, the in smell breathing of it. room. The researchers found that just smelling canola oil while cooking can damage your DNA. Just the smell of it. That just, right. that sounds like Everybody pause pepper. right now, go get, go ditch every piece of canola oil bottle you got in your house, That's walk not, out of the room. Salt and pepper, by the way, it sounded like, mm, 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 for the smell of it. When I said that, that's how I sounded, by the way. But yes, go and do that. Get rid of the canola oil. Yeah. Don't just like, let me finish the bottle. No, 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 no. Throw that shit away. There's, it, it is so unfit for human consumption. It's like, not even funny. And I remember when it hit the scene, and mm -hmm. like, because my, my mother switched over. We were using like Crisco or whatever. And my grandfather, my grandparents, my grandfather had multiple open heart surgeries and we lost him again, far too young from cardiac event and heart disease. And I remember my grandmother on the word of the physician, get stop before any of the bad stuff, the really bad stuff happened, just when he had like some biomarkers that were elevated, Okay, right? Get him off the butter, get him off the eggs, all this stuff. Let's do canola oil. Let's do not canola oil, but margarine. That mm -hmm. was the big thing. Country crock. His big heart events happened after that. Damn man. All right. Now, with that said, that's a partially hydrogenated vegetable mm -hmm. oil. That's what that's what country crock is and these margarines. And so we're we're altering what humans have evolved with. And mm -hmm. by the way, last piece here with this uh, oil piece, Dr. Kate Shanahan mentioned this and shared this with me, and I went and looked at this data as well, that when biopsies were done on humans close to the 1900s and looking at what is the makeup of our fat cells, like what is in there? Only about 2% of our fat cells were made of PUFAs or polyunsaturated fatty acids, <laughs> right? This is the majority of what these canola oils, vegetable oils, yeah you know, uh, soybean oil, they're, they're very high in polyunsaturated fatty acids, PUFAs, where something like olive oil is very high in monounsaturated mono, yeah. fatty acids or MUFAs, MUFAs. <laughs> MOFO. It's MUFAs. 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 <laughs> you get down with the MUFAs. It just, you know, those, those fats are healthier and they just sound better, man. That's, yeah. that's, smooth. that's a smooth fat right there. <laughs> and now cut fast forward to today and monitoring the makeup of human fat cells mm. now versus 2% of our cells being made of PUFAs back in the day, polyunsaturated fatty acids, upwards of about 30% of the average wow. person's fat cells are now made of polyunsaturated fatty acids. So the literal ingredients that are making humans is changed. Like our recipe to make oh, us is different. Wow. You know, and again, it's largely based on people are not just guzzling that kind of oil. It's coming from the ultra processed mm -hmm. foods they're consuming as mm -hmm. well and our body's having a difficult time processing it and 
stowing away, tucking it into our fat cells in an effort, our body's intelligence to keep us safe. Right, yeah. To protect our brain, to protect yeah. our heart, to protect our liver. It's doing what it can. It's making this adaptation, which then makes it very difficult to lose that fat. Well, shout out our bodies again. It's like so many times we introduce things like this and it's like, all right, cool. What, what the hell do you want me to do with this? What am I supposed to do with this? We're not meant for this, but you know what? I got you. Let me level up. Let me evolve. Let me figure out where to store it and how to make it as unsafe or make it as safe as possible, if that's even possible, yeah. um, until we can figure our shit out and detox and cleanse it out. Because it can't happen that way. Yeah. You know, it, the body wants to not only survive, but thrive. Yeah. But we just got to be more mindful of what we're putting in. We need the conditions to be able to do Absolutely. it. Absolutely. And now we've cut to, so what do we do in this context where we got these nonstick pans. And by the way, just because that one compound was removed, that's not the end of the story. There are other very dangerous compounds that more and more science is going to come out. You don't have mm -hmm. to wait until then. Let's switch out those nonstick Teflon pans. Mm -hmm. And here are some better options. So time tested. So I'm going to go, th there's several. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to start with likely the safest, but not the funnest, All which right. is stainless steel. Mm. All right, stainless steel cooking for frying purposes. There are different purposes that it can be used for mm. that are pretty convenient and they're and they're great for. But this is not a nonstick necessarily type of surface. And okay. You've got to be more crafty. You've got to understand the oils that you're using, the temperatures, all this stuff. But some people have been using stainless steel and cooking their asses off for the long. My mother-in-law is one of those people. And I, I never thought about it until I started working on this book. Like, mm. oh, wow, like she uses this. And she never like, and her, her food is part of the reason that I am who I am today. Absolutely, yeah. It really yeah. changed my perception of the importance of nutrition mm. was because of her. And so shout out to my, my Mama Mukami. She's, you know, from Kenya. Mm, okay. Shout out to Mama Mukami. And so we've got not, we've got stainless steel. Something that has been used for centuries by humans is cast iron. Now, with that said, there is a certain guild of people and researchers mm -hmm. that are like, with cast iron, the amount of iron that you might be picking up right, can right, be yeah. problematic. With that said, for the majority of people, that is not going to be an issue. Okay. And in particular for women, let me just say that as right, well. Yeah. But for, for men, because women, you know, having a cycle. Mm -hmm. But for men, and this could be something that is geared towards better health in a sense, and there's a lot of solid science on this as well, is like donating blood occasionally, mm -hmm. you know? Just, you know, maybe once a year or something like that, at, you know, at, at, at minimum. Or even just not just donating blood, but doing some blood tests. Mm -hmm. Like, when you do that, your body kicks in all of these regenerative factors to build new blood. It's really remarkable. Um, but with that being said, for most people, it's not going to be an issue. Mm -hmm. However, I just want you to still operate with that caveat. I love my cast iron pan. Oh yeah, well seasoned cast iron pan yeah. can replace a lot of the nonstick purposes, and plus it can shift from stove top oven. to the oven. Yeah, yeah. And again, humans have been using it for centuries. All right, in a time when we were far healthier. Mm -hmm. So shout out to cast iron pan. And as you see, what I'm doing, I'm also saying, hey, this thing also has this thing over right, here. Right. This, a lot of people won't do that. Yeah. All right because it's not just all sunshine and rainbows, right? With everything. It rarely is. And so, and also even just shouting out like the good people at Pfizer, you know what I mean? Like there is balance here. <laughs> we need to be more inclusive. All right, now uh, another one, which is 
really great because, you know, especially today, there's a lot more accessible as ceramic mm -hmm. cookware as well. Great for nonstick purposes and also so much lower on the potential toxicants. Okay. It's a very simple compounds used to make ceramic nonstick cookware versus Teflon's conglomeration of all these different chemicals. Which is a strong through line and really, you know, everything that we're talking about here, especially, you know, nutrition, but the less ingredients, the better, the yeah. less materials, the better. Same, same. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. And so those are just a few options. There's also, there's obviously glass cookware, you know, for baking purposes can be really great. Mm -hmm. Like there's so many other options, but we, if we're just seeing through the lens of marketing, what's mm -hmm. put in our face and also convenience, if we're just looking through that lens, we might not realize that we may be doing ourselves and our family harm. And so this is, yeah. again, this book is yeah. not just about the science around social conditions and culture and how that affects our food and our health, our health outcomes and our food choices, but how can we create a healthier kitchen culture? Mm -hmm. How can we leverage insights about things like grocery shopping and how can we protect our family from cultural contagions? Mm, because our culture is what is deciding the choices we make. Our culture is like an invisible hand. And I remember talking about this in, in economics back in college, the invisible hand. And- the Freakonomics. Yeah, man, listen. So oh, that, that's a good show. Yeah, yeah it's really so, good. When we, when we don't understand this, we might think that we're free that I'm making my choices by free will. Yeah, You are making choices based on the reality that you are experiencing, based on the environment that you're in, and your culture is determining what choices are prevalent for you. And let, let me give an example. There are still hunter-gatherer tribes on planet Earth, all right? The Hadza, for example. A tribe of hunter-gatherers because of their culture, their culture demands that they have to move in order to eat. Mm -hmm. If you don't move, you can, you die. So movement is built into the culture. They have to move or you will die. In our culture, movement is optional as fuck. It's optional. <laughs> to say the least, man, okay? to say the least. You can move yeah, yeah. so little now and still get all the deliciousness you want, all the entertainment, all the companionship, you know, and this, there's degrees with the companionship. Sit on by the, the couch way. with Netflix and Uber Eats. You don't got to move. Exactly. All and you get day, your man. social media, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. My soul, I'm being social. Yeah, if you're even watching Netflix, usually we're just scrolling while we got something else rolling. Oh, man, the double screens, man. You know, that's, that's, the, that's the new menage a trois. You feel me? I'm <laughs> so sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. I've seen, I've seen people do the, never mind. Never, is there more? I'm going to stop the analogy. I'm going to stop the analogy. And so. What has Sean seen? So, <laughs> He's seen some shit. <laughs> but most importantly, it's, it's us understanding that, you know, we can shift the culture in our households because, again, our culture is driving our decisions. And so with that hunter-gatherer tribe, their culture is demanding movement mm -hmm. in order to survive. Mm -hmm. And also their culture doesn't allow them to know that Chick-fil-A is a thing. Oh, right. Yeah. You it, see what I'm saying? It's off the radar. Yeah. Their culture doesn't allow them to know that Flaming Hot Cheetos is food. There's no other option. Right? Now, again, we can encroach on these cultures and they can start to adapt and change. And like they're wearing like a, you know, a don't worry, be happy t-shirt and <laughs> But in general, they, they're not going to be aware that the, right. I can just go to 7-Eleven and throw my spear through a hot dog, right? They're living a different reality because of their culture is determining what they're aware of and the choices they're making. Mm -hmm. What if we can leverage that social psychology 
social science to transform our food culture. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm advocating and creating with this Eat Smarter Family Cookbook. How do we proactively shift our family culture? Because a lot of our energy, unfortunately, is lost or dis, dis, displaced by us trying to battle these big entities, mm -hmm. right? So when you talked earlier about the enemies, mm -hmm. I don't give a about them. I don't care. When it really boils down to it, I understand there's some, there's some dark things going on. Mm. I have power over my choices and I have power and influence with my family members under my roof. That's where I can change. Control the controllables. I was just talking with, this man is so remarkable. He's largely considered to be Tom Brady's primary mentor for his mindset. When he was back at Michigan, he, Tom was thinking about quitting football. Before he ever really got Before started. Before he met this guy. All right. Greg Harden. Shout out to my guy, Greg Harden. And man, man, I just really had, oh man, that, I could say so much about him. Mm. But one of the things that when he said it, it hit me different. He said so many people suffer because they're trying to control things they can't control. Your mission and what gives you a sense of certainty and power in your life is controlling the controllables. Mm -hmm. Control, focus on controlling the controllables. That's where your power is. That's where your sense of certainty, your sense of power and, and, and empowerment is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When you're out here trying to change, like holding up a you know picketing McDonald's, like yeah, maybe you can get like a, a person not to go in there and you know get the two for two, you know what I'm yeah. saying? The apple pies or whatever. They're just going to get There's making noise and there's making a difference. Sometimes one happens because of the other, but yeah. if I'm hearing you correctly, let's look at the things where we can just immediately more go to, hey, let's make a difference. Yes. And not to say that there isn't a place for that, mm -hmm. for marching and mm -hmm. for, you know, working for policy change. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm being from Ferguson and seeing, I'm, I'm living in this glorified food desert I'm living in a place where policies have allowed for, I'm talking, there isn't a fast food place you can name, you know, the popular franchises that weren't within two miles of my, of my apartment. I'm talking about, I am ev on all sides. I cannot Damn. go anywhere and not see them they're, because they're cheap mm. and also they're leveraging the community, right? They're taking advantage of this disparity. Mm. And Unfortunately, the data is indicating that when we're in that place of disparity and chronic disease, we're more likely to stay in poverty, right? And so that was my reality. I was just you like just feeding, literally feeding the problem. And so, yes, we need po policy change. But what happens is when people are not educated about food, truly, because food is what's making up our bodies. Mm -hmm. It is top tier, primary, primary importance. If we have a cardiologist who doesn't understand that the organ they're treating in their patient isn't made from the food that they're eating, we have a serious problem. And so what would happen when we're advocating for change, for social change in our communities is we need more access to healthcare. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What kind of access, what kind of healthcare are you getting with that access? More that's feeding the problem, that's disempowering you, that's directing you towards this pharmaceutical model. Mm -hmm. That's not tr educating you on how important your food is, mm -hmm. right? We need access to real healthcare, real health empowerment. We need access to education about food mm -hmm. and about social structures. And so this brings me back to my, to, to my point, which is even within that, even within the con confines of that community, you know, um, <laughs> it was, you gotta be on your toes, mm -hmm. all right? And 
even within that, I created a culture of health within my, within my doors, within that apartment door that I see manifest today in front of me. You see my son, mm-hmm. you see my son, Jordan, who's 22 now. Beast. And he's working in fitness. He's on his nutrition. He's helping other people. He's empowering other people. The people that he's working with, mm-hmm. low key, some of his clients, they're huge as far as empowerment and influencers themselves. Mm-hmm. And they see something in him. I saw it back then when I was making these changes and he, he oh, didn't yeah. like all that yeah, shit. Yeah, he yeah. didn't like it when I was we like, never really do it first, we're not right. going to Burger King, we're doing this, you know, but I understood my power in that. And eventually, of course, finding ways like, how do we make this enjoyable? How do we make oh, this, yeah. how do we make this not just as delicious, mm-hmm. this chemical or whatever, but more delicious? How do we find ways to really activate and leverage our desire as humans to enjoy tasty things? without yeah. negative side effects, just joy. And how do we create a culture in our household that brings us together? And so this is the bottom line. Researchers from Harvard analyze family data and they found that families who eat together more often, number one, they consume significantly more vital nutrients that prevent chronic diseases. Number two, they consume far less ultra processed foods including things like chips and soda. Again, not to villainize those things. Mm. Yeah, those are gonna be things that you're gonna interact with. But by eating with your family more often, we're reducing that exposure. Mm -hmm. Also, research that was published in the journal Pediatrics and JAMA, the Journal of the American Medical Association, found that families who eat together three or more times a week have significantly lower rates of obesity, specifically in children, significantly lower rates of eating disorders, Mm -hmm. and again, higher consumption of vital nutrients that protect them from chronic diseases. All right, three meals a week. That's really not that much. But today, also, this is from the Harvard researchers, only about 30% of families are eating together on a regular basis. It's it's on the endangered species list big time. Yeah, really, truly. All right, now the question would be, and it arises for me, like how, like how does this, this seems like this kind of invisible or like unseen protective metric for our health mm-hmm. that we're not taking advantage of. I know that I can count on my hands how often I ate with my family. Like we all sat down and ate together, like literally on my mm-hmm. two hands. All right. I'm not exaggerating in the slightest. And in those ten, in these, on my two hands, these are holidays. All right. Mm-hmm. Real talk. Hey, and so this wasn't a part really of our count. family That's culture. Like forced upon usually, right? We evolved where food was interactive, mm. collaborative, and it was a part of the, the the survival of the tribe. Everybody had a role. It was so much more than the food, so much more than the eating. I mean, you're, yeah, yeah, yes, yes. That's how we evolved. And then suddenly we're pulled away from the process of collecting our food mm-hmm. ourselves. Okay, that's cool. We want some convenience, but we also start to get pulled away more and more from each other in mm-hmm. the celebration around food the connectivity around food, the, 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 the unity that takes place around food. Mm. The communication, yeah. the problem solving, the create, creative thinking. You can go on and mm. on. Where now we've gone from that where it was a collective experience to now we're more and more isolated, mm. eating ultra processed foods in front of a screen. Damn. And this happened just in the last decade or two. It's, it's devolved that quickly. Now, yes, let's have family movie night and enjoy some snacks together, enjoy a meal. That's, yes, 
that's a great experience as humans in our modern society. Mm. But if we want to protect our children, if we want to create a culture of wellness with our children, if we want to prevent our children from another thing that shocked me was how few it's like the just generation generationally it's gone down more and more with kids and now young adults not being able to cook food for themselves. They don't have the skill. They don't know how to do it. Like we're giving vital life skills mm. to mm. our children by bringing them into this process. Now it's time to take control of the controllables, make changes in our own family culture in our own kitchen culture and our culture around the table is going to create a force field around your family. Yeah. Now here's where Absolutely. we create community change is that when people see you, they see what's possible. Mm -hmm. The most powerful thing that you can do for the community, for your other family members is to be the example. You're the walking, talking representation mm -hmm. of what's possible. And we've got another family. We've got more human beings who are getting us to that tipping point where disease is no longer the norm. Because right now, if you're healthy, mm -hmm. you're not normal. Mm -hmm. That's the state of our society today. And so that's what this is all about. That's the mission behind it. Yes, of course, all of the science around this stuff, there's over 250 scientific references in a cookbook. That's never been I would done. expect nothing less, my man. <laughs> I would expect nothing less. But in a way that's entertaining yeah. and it's beautifully done. My family is all in this book mm -hmm. and also a hundred, these recipes, oh, we're foodies. We yeah, love we yeah. love food. Yeah. So how do we use the best foods mm -hmm. in simple recipes as well? I don't want 27 ingredients. Mm -hmm. I don't want a Chick-fil-A alter. That's how just, you lose people. Yes, just making this easy and approachable and something that be, will become a manual, like something that will be in your kitchen. I know this book is going to stay in your kitchen. It's going to be in your, mine, I know. Absolutely, yeah, man. Just to be able to access it, to make something delicious mm -hmm. and to have those reminders, those cues, just to be go, to go back and reference things. Yeah. It's really special. Well, Sean, I do need to kind of get us wrapping up here, man. But, you know, there's so much more information that I extracted from you in your work for this book and kind of having some early access to it. So I definitely want to remind the listener here that there's a lot I'm going to put in secondary in the intro and just so, much, so many other resources that we'll have linked for everybody because it's, it's beyond, okay, cool, here's some neat ways to make a, a different dish here are ways to take your power back. Here are ways to set the model for the change that I know a lot of people in my life, in my audience want, because it's not just about us. We got to take care of what we can take care of. We got to control our controllable, but yeah. we want more for everybody else along the way. And I know you do too. And I know that that's in this work and I know that's in the book and congratulations. I know this is going to crush. It's an extension of eat smarter and sleep smarter and the model health show that is just so obvious. So again, congratulations, man. Thank you. I want to ask you my final question that now third time, we're going to have three different answers. I brought it up a couple of times on the show, but living a life ever forward is, is really this. It's controlling the controllables. It's choosing to not take these circumstances as the end all be all. We have power when we choose, and that's going to be in our personal life, our spiritual life, our health, our wellness in any capacity. When you hear those words today, man, kind of being mindful now of you know nutrition and community and the relationships we have around that, what does that mean to you? How would you say you live a life ever forward through kind of this recent work? How would you describe that? What's what's changed? What's changed is even in the last couple of years and since our last conversation, mm -hmm. is that I don't know if it's just you hit a certain 
bracket in your time here on planet earth, but I'm mm -hmm. really thinking about future generations. I'm thinking about my family. I'm thinking about legacy and people. For, uh, fortunately, we were having conversations now about things like generational wealth, mm. but I'm an advocate primarily for generational health. And that really being the linchpin for enjoying any level of wealth mm. or you know financial means, none of that matters if you don't have your health. Mm. And so for me, that's, that's what it is today is thinking forward to the degree that I'm thinking about what are the conditions that I'm helping to create and the resources that I'm creating for my children, for their children, mm. and for other families as well, because we are not here alone. And that's mm. unfortunately another one of these messages and another one of the cultural contagions is isolating us more and more. And it's just an illusion. Mm. Like we pick up that phone and we go into this portal. Yep. We leave the mm. present when there are literally billions, there are billions of people mm. here on the planet, real people. And we're all trying to connect and this is valuable, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's a tool, but we don't wanna become a tool ourselves by thinking that this is real life, right? And so for me, that's what it is, you know, just putting in place, thinking forward, th putting in place resources, insights, opportunity, planting those seeds in my children and also providing those for parents and grandparents to, to give to their kids because I know we can change this thing. In our lifetime, mm -hmm. we can change this. So for people to pick up a copy of the book, and also we're doing a very special family health and fitness summit. That's right, that's right, yeah. All right, just help celebrate this. Mm. And we've got some of the most incredible people who have kids mm. who found a way to create a culture of health and wellness in their family. Some of the most incredible people right now in, in fitness, in, in, in entertainment, mm. in sports performance. So I'm talking about people like Layla Ali. Ooh. All right. So she's undefeated world boxing champion, you know, daughter of the greatest of all time. Mm. And also she's the greatest of all time in her own right in major mm. ways. And she also won the TV show Chopped, the cooking That's show. That's right. Yeah, twice. Yeah, yeah. All right. All right. So she's about that life when it comes to food. The her, chop champ. Yeah. And her, her dedication to integrity and food quality, all those things. And, and also she makes it a mandatory part of her family life that she's cooking meals for her family right. multiple times a week. Right. I've been there, I've eaten with her, you mm -hmm. know, and just having these experiences. So people get to learn from her directly. Mm -hmm. And Dr. Daniel Amen, who I talked about, he's the leading neuroscientist in the, the world doc, when it yeah. comes to really actually seeing and studying the brain using imaging. And, you know, I mean, his list of clients is like, I mean, everybody from Justin Bieber yeah. to, you know, the NFL, he did the big CTE study. He just did one with all the Kardashians too, I remember. Yeah, yeah like yeah, again, yeah. all the famous people mm. are, when they find out about him, they're trying to go to Daniel Amen. But I'll tell you, he's a real one though. Mm -hmm. Because Hollywood stuff can be a little sketchy mm -hmm. and interesting, but he's dedicated to helping everyday folks primarily. That's what he's doing. And he also has a family. He mm -hmm. has a family, he has kids. And oh my goodness, just the, I, again, I know his kids as well and seeing real proof of concept, how these things can work in real life, mm -hmm. right? So Dr. Daniel Amen, Gabby Reese. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. and uh, Dr. Will Bolsowitz, leading gastroenterologist. So gut health and all that stuff. Again, people who have kids though, and to learn about okay. creating a culture of fitness and health in their household. So they walk the so walk, walk the talk. You get free access to the summit when you pre-order the Eat Smarter Family Cookbook. All right. The ticket to the summit is $297 and you get it for free. Hell yeah. And so go with to- the book. With the book. Okay. So go to eatsmartercookbook.com and pre-order your copy. 
and you're going to get access to the, the Family Health and Fitness Summit. And also we're doing a 25K health and fitness giveaway. So as I've been mentioning, these different friends and colleagues that have op opportunities and access to foods, like Thrive Market, oh, right? Yeah, Groceries yeah, yeah. delivered to your house. So we're giving away like, they're helping, they're contributing okay. $500 in groceries from Thrive Market, fitness equipment from on the whole family together. Man. I mean, just the list goes on and on. Yeah. So you're going to get instantly entered into that 50. There's going to be 50 winners. So that's just some of the stuff. Damn, damn. So go to eat smarter cookbook, eat smarter cookbook.com pre-order the book right now. And you get access to all those incredible bonuses too. Again, I'll have everything linked, of course, video notes, show notes, podcasts for everybody. Um, man, this is, it's always a treat sitting down with you and just hearing your research, your wisdom, your personal experience and the way that you just kind of alchemize it all together. You know, this isn't the Sean Stevenson way. This is, look, this is real life. This is my experience. Here's the science of literature that's available to anybody to look at and just choose you, choose you at the end of the day, man. So thank you. Thank you, brother. It's my honor. Thank you, man. Thank you so very much for tuning into the show today. I hope you got a lot of value out of this and special shout out and thank you to Chase Tuning and definitely check out Ever Forward Radio. And listen, we are just getting warmed up. We got so much in store for you. Some incredible masterclasses are on the way and transformational world-class guests are coming very, very soon. So make sure to stay tuned. Take care, have an amazing day and I'll talk with you soon. And for more after the show, make sure to head over to themodelhealthshow.com. That's where you can find all of the show notes. You can find transcriptions, videos for each episode. And if you got a comment, you can leave me a comment there as well. And please make sure to head over to iTunes and leave us a rating to let everybody know that the show is awesome. And I appreciate that so much. And take care. I promise to keep giving you more powerful, empowering, great content to help you transform your life. Thanks for tuning in.